So we're starting a new series, and, and tonight uh, it's Living as a Disciple. And so we're going to be doing this for the next couple months. And with that, um, we're actually going to record each one of the lessons, too, uh, and put them on our website. Not on Facebook. Well, we might be able to get them on Facebook, too. But put them on our website, uh, Harvest, um, under where I think where the sermons are going to be. For one, for leaders to be able, once they teach, to refer back to the lessons beforehand. But also, if you miss a week, or if there was a week where it's like, man, that really like impacted me. I want to go back and listen to it again. You can feel free to do so. Um, we wrapped up Mark last week, two and a half long but good years um, in that book. And uh, this series, I'm super stoked for. Um, yeah, because we... Each week we get to look at where we're at now, um, and then we get to look at who Jesus is, and, and we get to see, like, man, am I living into who Jesus calls me to be, and am I and in my life, am I looking more and more like him? So, um, kind of just to talk about the series a little bit at the start before we just dive in, um, we are all being shaped by something or someone at all times, Right? Uh, so for me in high school, one of the ways that I was shaped, I don't know if this is still a thing or not, but sagging was so cool when I was in high school. And not just like a little bit where they see like the Hanes band, but like sagging like to your knees or, or even lower was like cool. And so that was against the, the dress code. And there's this guy, Dusty, Dusty Whipple, who somehow like he could sag better than anybody. So he would be sagging where his whole butt was exposed. Hopefully he was wearing underwear, so not fully exposed. But the jeans part would be like down past there, and he'd have a long enough shirt so it covered up, and he'd just have the walk down too. And he'd do it with skinny jeans. Like, how can you even sag with skinny jeans? That's not possible. Um, and so he'd have the walk down too. I can't even do it because it was so cool, dusty. Um, but like me, probably just me, no one else did this, but we would see how Dusty was able to sag, um, I would, and then I'd be like, man, I've got to be able to perfect having my pants low like that, like Dusty, and so uh, I'd go home, be in front of the mirror, um, and try to be like, okay, how does Dusty do it, and practice sagging um, on my own time uh, as like a junior and senior in high school, and that was something that totally like Dusty and how he wore his clothes like shaped part of how I wore my clothes. And whether it's like somebody that goes to our school or social media or what's going on like in the world, like what um, people in Hollywood are wearing or doing or saying or what our friends are about or what our family has brought us up with or um, what's going on in our school, like at any point in a given day, we're all like shaped by something or someone, even hipsters who say, I am shaped by, like, the earth. Um, like, no, like, they are still basing things off um, of what other hipsters are doing. Um, and they're going against what people are, are doing. And so, um, a disciple, though, like, if you are someone here that says, like, I am somebody that wants to follow Jesus, uh, I, you know, after we've gone through Mark or at a different point in my life, like, I believe that Jesus died and, and rose again, and he's somebody that I want to shape my life after. Um, a, a disciple is someone that learns from a teacher, and Jesus is uh, our teacher if, if we've chosen to follow him. So he's the one that shapes, like, what our life looks like, like who we want to imitate for how to live, not necessarily how to dress. You don't want to just wear sandals and a big burlap thing all the time. Um, beard's okay, fellas. Uh, but um, 
we want to imitate like what our life looks like after Jesus. And if that's like a decision you haven't made to say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, um, it totally makes sense that you don't necessarily want to shape your life after him. Uh, and that's okay. Um, and we're glad that you're here in that and know that this is a place that you belong and feel free to listen. And if there are things at any point where you're like, man, that that's pretty interesting that Jesus lived that way. I may try to live that way too. That's awesome. And I'd encourage you, your staff would encourage you to do that as well. So, um, Heidi, I think uh, on the there's a definition on the slides um, right before the songs. If you could pull that up, it should be on the second slide because we're going to refer back to this definition of what a disciple is like all throughout the next couple months. So a disciple is someone becoming more like Jesus in their mind, heart, and actions. Um, that our thoughts are more like Jesus' thoughts that our heart, the things that we care about, the things that are important to us, even things that we feel are more the things that Jesus would feel. And that we don't just keep it here in our heads, right? But our actions, like how we live, that we would actually take what we talk about, what Jesus teaches, and go and live it too. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but it's pretty frustrating at times when there's people um, that claim to be Christians or Jesus followers and maybe they know a whole lot of stuff, but then when you start looking at your their life, you're like, wait, like you don't love like Jesus. Like you treat people pretty terribly. I was that kind of Christian in high school. I'd call myself that, but how I treated people, my actions, my heart, and my mind, they didn't look like Jesus at all. So we want to be a group that's actually growing to look like the guy that we claim to follow. Um, not just a group that believes these things and has this head knowledge, um, but then continue to live however the heck we want. Um, and so that's what we're going to be diving into. So I'm going to pray, um, and then we'll keep diving in more. So if you wouldn't mind praying with me. God, in all of this, we need your help. Um, Lord, we, uh, on our own, we choose our ways over yours almost 100% of the time. And so would you show us how you would have us live more and more for you and like you? Um, would this group, as we look back after this year or however long this goes, would we look back and be like, man, like I am a shadow of who I used to be because my life has been changing um, week by week, day by day, uh, to look more like uh, my teacher, Jesus. And um, God, would you move in hearts tonight, Holy Spirit, would you bless my words and give me the right words to share so that you get the honor and glory. In your name, amen. Um, so a couple weeks, or well, last week, Cindy uh, ended um, Mark with this passage that talked about making disciples of all nations, right? And so talked about like mission trips and talked about like how to be intentional with your friends and, and some of that. And we're going to get into that, not tonight, probably months from now, because uh, what is really important first, instead of like thinking, okay, like how do I go make disciples? I think for us all to look in the mirror and look at ourselves and be like, am I a disciple of Jesus? Like, am I, like, do I even know what that is or what that means? I think sometimes we just can call ourselves Christians without actually knowing all that that entails. And it's always like an ongoing process of learning more and growing more. Um, but we want to make sure you guys like have a good idea of like, yeah, like this is what it looks like 
to follow Jesus instead of just like, okay, you believe in who Jesus is? Now go, tell everybody about it. Well, I don't know what I'm telling them about, right? <laughs> um, so if we're to go make disciples, we should first know what that means. Even Jesus' own disciples, um, who we've talked about all throughout Mark, they followed him around for three years before he ultimately made that statement that Cindy talked about last week of go make disciples. It was their identity that, yeah, I'm a disciple of Jesus before they went out and did the same. Um, and then um, Mark, the book of Mark is a series that actually sets us up super well um, for this because it, it's it's the gospel, right? It's the story that we have on these pictures right here. I'd encourage you to read through it sometime. Um, and, and Mark pours right over into um, uh, because those are Jesus's first disciples, like what it means then for us to be a disciple. So we're, you may have only been here for one week of Mark, no weeks of Mark, the whole time during Mark. But we just want to do a little recap. So Heidi's going to pull up a video um, from this, uh, this, this group called the Bible Project. And man, if the Bible is ever hard to understand, um, if you pick it up and start reading, you're like, what the heck is this about? Like, this is some weird stuff. They break down pretty much every book in the Bible with uh, narratives, with narrations um, to, to help us understand more. So, Jacob, if you wouldn't mind bringing the lights down a little bit. Heidi, you can get that going. This is an overview of the book of Mark. Let's take a minute or two. Um, and with the person next to you or a couple people around you, if something stood out from the video, you can talk about that. Or if you were here for our time in Mark too, um, talk about like maybe a lesson or something like that that stood out or a story from Mark that impacted you or stood out to you. So take in a minute or two, talk to the person next to you about one of those two things. Ready, go. Okay, so a couple people, either something that stood out in... Uh, the video or something that stood out as we've gone through the book of Mark so far. Darren, you going? Okay, everybody listen up. Totally. Like God created emotions, and so Jesus showed perfect anger in that moment. Yeah, that was totally something that stood out from our series. What else? Maybe one more. Yeah, Greta. Yeah, they're so good at doing that. Like I look at a big book like that, and I just like go piece by piece. I don't see some of the overall themes sometimes. To see that middle part that connects them to um, each other is super important. Um, and I love what they ended with is like this question ultimately. Uh, and when books or, or, or people, like their last thing to you is a question, um, it usually kind of leaves you hanging of like, man, there's some sort of response or some sort of answer I need to come to find out like about this. And with Mark, he left us with this question. Like After like seeing um, who Jesus is and how he became this Messiah, like do you for yourself say that he is the Messiah, right? Um, and that is a question that we all need to wrestle with. Like do we think that he is Savior? Do we think that Jesus is our ultimate teacher? that should be the one shaping our lives? Um, is he somebody worth following? Uh, those are all questions that we're left with in Mark. And um, a couple weeks ago, probably months now because of the snow, when Andrew Hurst uh, shared about the cross, when we were all gathered up there, for those of you who were here, he kind of left us with, like, how do you respond um, with, with Jesus, the Messiah, like dying on the cross? Like, what is your response? Whether that be, yeah, I don't buy it. 
or I don't know, I'm kind of like in the middle. I, I maybe I believe like for the first time or, or over here and you're all in. Um, and think about that response or even think about that question now and where you're at with that. Like, do you say that Jesus is the Messiah? Because if your answer is yes to that question, you're like, yep, Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord, someone I want to follow. Well, what now? Like, what's the next step? Like, what, what do we do next? And that's why we're going to talk about repentance a little bit tonight. So even when I say the word repentance, what starts coming into your minds? Or what do you think of? Or what do you kind of go, ooh, I don't like that? Or you go, huh, I don't even know what that is. Talk with the person next to you for a little bit. Like, when I say repentance, what stands out? What do you think of? All right, let's bring it back up. So, a couple brave people. Like, we're not looking for right answers. Just, like, I want to know what you guys think of um, and where you're at with it. So, when you hear repentance, like, what's something that stands out to you? Or what do you think about? Yeah, totally. Turning away from something that's that you've done wrong. Awesome. Maybe one more. Somebody brave. Totally. Awesome. Yep, that's what we're going to be talking about. Because for me, I know, like, uh, especially in high school, probably afterwards, because I, I grew up in the church, and so I heard some of these lingo or church um, church language, I guess. Uh, and maybe some of you haven't really heard of that word repentance um, before because we just don't use it like in our day-to-day language very much. But when I heard repentance, like I thought about shame. I thought about guilt. Like I thought about the bad things that I had done. I thought about like having to focus on what are my sins and how can I be a better person and all of that and, and needing to be sorry for something. Um, and I kind of had this twisted view of, of what repentance was or, or confession. I thought repentance was like solely like confessing like bad things um, that I had done as well. And I don't know where you all are at with that, and maybe some of you can relate, um, but we're going to try and see what does it mean to repent. So Bibles are under your chairs, I believe. Turn to Acts chapter 2, because um, now in this series, we're not going straight through any book. Uh, we're going to be bouncing around all throughout uh, Scripture. So Acts chapter 2, and then we'll start at uh, verse 36. But I'm going to give you a little backstory of what we're diving into. Feel free, take some time, turn to it. If you're looking, it's in the New Testament, um, right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So where we're diving into this story is you guys remember Peter, like we saw him in the video, and then a couple months ago, Alex um, did a lesson on Peter, where Peter's the one that when Jesus is taken away to the cross, Peter ends up denying that he ever knew him three times, even though he was one of his closest disciples. And then in, in turn, Alex shared with us, after Jesus raises from the dead, him and Peter have this moment together of like restoring relationship, like Peter acknowledging, no, Jesus, I love you. Like I'm following you now. And Jesus showing complete and total forgiveness, like that Peter denied him. Um, so this is that same Peter. And timeline-wise, we're about like a month to two months, maybe a little bit longer, after Jesus has both died but now ascended back up to heaven. Like he's no longer like walking around physically on earth anymore. And so Peter is like with this huge crowd of people, thousands and thousands of people that are gathered. And Peter is sharing the truth about what has happened 
with Jesus to them. Um, and he's, he's making claims that Jesus is this Messiah. The very question that Mark asked, asked, asked at the end of the book, um, he is answering it. Um, and he's using like prophecies from the Old Testament saying Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. And Jesus is the Messiah. And the thing is, all you people here, like you killed him. Like some of those same people were the people in the crowds that were yelling out, crucify him, crucify him, denying that he was Lord, denying that he was Savior. Um, But yet then Peter says, but God raised him up from the cross, using that and showing that to be that through Jesus, like we can be saved from our sins, from this separation from evil, um, from the separation from God. So that's where we're diving in. Verse 36 is where we are starting. So this is Peter talking. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And we'll stop there. So Peter like lays this thing out to him, right? Um, And it's like, imagine someone telling you a story that has a villain, that has a hero, and all of that kind of stuff in it. And then all of a sudden, they say, I'm actually telling a true story, and you're the villain in the story. Ooh, that would not feel good, right? And it says in this, they were cut to the heart when they heard this, that the very Savior they had been waiting for, the very one that they needed to save them from their state, from their sins, was the very guy that they said, crucify him, like take him away. We want nothing to do with him. If you imagine it, like I think of it like this, like their hearts were like calloused and hard and stony and rock. But then all of a sudden when they hear this news, it like hits them for the first time and their heart like gets this crack in it where this light kind of starts shining out, right? Where it cuts them to the heart, but in turn it makes them feel something, maybe guilt, maybe shame, but maybe that there's hope. Because the very thing that they ask is like, what must we do. So when we hear about Jesus' death and resurrection, is that something that cuts us to the heart? Is that something that makes us go, whoa? Is that something that makes us like stop for a second or be like, like, wow, like why would he do that for me? And maybe it's something that at times like in my life, like, well, it, it didn't cut me to the heart at all. I was like, well, I wasn't there. Like, I didn't kill Jesus. Like, why did he ultimately, like, why would we say that our sins put him on the cross or whatnot? Like, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't those people. Maybe for them, this should shake up their life and shake up their world. But how does this really impact me whatsoever? Um, we're going to turn to First Peter now, chapter 2 verse 24. So that's further back in the New Testament. So keep going to the right. Chapter 2, verse 24. This is Peter once again writing. 
he's talking about Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. There's a lot in there, and there's a lot of analogies going on. But ultimately what Peter is saying here, that each of us, when we were created, when we were made, we were made to live into God's ways, right? That God made us even in his own image and to have life with him, to have relationship with him. But all of us, like he compares us to sheep, that's kind of a bummer. Like instead of saying, I'm going after God's ways, at one point or another or many points, millions of points, we said, no, I'm going to go my way, right? Like I think my way is better. I need to look out for number one. Um, And whether we did it on purpose saying, God, I don't want nothing to do with you, or maybe we even just thought, right? Like, well, I don't even know about this, God, so I'm just going my way anyways. In that, like, that is what we call sin, and it creates like this, this, uh, like this shroud around us where our world becomes small and revolves around what makes us happy um, and what we can do to serve ourselves. Um, and we, we don't live into who God made us to be. And sometimes sins are done to us too, right? That like evil exists in this world. We can just look around at the gnarly stuff that happens day in, day out. Like a lot of time I don't watch the news because, man, it is rough like seeing what goes on in this world. And some of you have experienced that too, right? Like you've experienced like a broken home with, where you wish maybe your family had just like loved each other more or you felt lo- alone in school or you've had like friends all of a sudden say, yeah, you know what? Like I'm going to stab you in the back so I can get ahead and go forward. Or you've had somebody break up with you or whatever the case may be where you feel this hurt and this pain and you're like, it shouldn't be this way, right? Why is it like this? And Peter says that Jesus took all of that because we would have been stuck in it. We would have just had sin. We would have had this distance. We would have had this separation from the God of the universe that wants relationship with us. And we would have been stuck in that forever. But Jesus made a way through his death on the cross by taking all our sins into the grave, sealing them in the grave, being forgiven of the things that we've done, even forgiven of the things that were done to us, Right? So that we could have new life with him. And maybe you've heard this before, um, and maybe you've heard it a hundred times, but it's still good for us to remember like what Jesus has done and to live into that each day. Because if someone that I knew died for me, like that would change my world. That would change my life. If they took my place, I would live differently because of that. And this is what God's own son has done for us. So the people um, in this passage, uh, back in Acts, right, where we were um, before this, they said, what must we do? Like there is a commanded like response because of this news, because of this truth, because of this reality. Like what must I do now? Like I, I need to take some sort of action. And I remember that for me. Um, uh, it was actually my first time I ever came to this youth group, uh, almost seven years ago now, and I was driving home. I wasn't following Jesus going into that night, but leaving that night, I was like, 
my life has got to change um, if I'm going to follow this guy. Like, Jesus has life, and I want it, so what do I have to get rid of? Like, what do I have to run towards? And if you've believed in Jesus too, I would think you'd have to have the same conversation with him of like, what does it look like to step out of who I've been or what I've been a part of that hasn't been good, that haven't been your ways, God? And what do I need to step towards now so that I do want to walk in your ways, so that I do have a life that looks like yours? But what Peter says um, to them is repent, that word we talked about, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about baptism next week, and then we're going to spend three weeks on talking about uh, receive the Holy Spirit and dive into that a little deeper. Um, repentance, whether that word right off the bat carries guilt or shame or some of those things I listed before for you, um, really what it is is understanding that without Jesus' work on the cross and like conquering the grave, like we are eternally hopeless, like we're in eternal death, um, and we're eternally lost, like without him. Um, and that in that, we've been forgiven, too. That there is forgiveness to step into because of what Jesus has done. Um, there's a guy named Brennan Manning who, who wrote that repentance isn't what we do to earn forgiveness. Sometimes we think that, right, with God, that we have to earn forgiveness somehow. Um, but what we express because we have been forgiven. It's the actions we take because we have been forgiven by God. Repentance isn't just feeling bad about something and saying sorry for it. It's taking active steps, responding um, by putting off, being done with our old ways. And that's a process, right? Um, And choosing the life that Jesus has for us instead. There's a story of us, in, uh, a story of this in Scripture. This guy Zacchaeus. Maybe some of you have heard of him before. There's a song like Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Um, Zacchaeus is this Jewish tax collector, and nobody liked him. Um, for one, it was because um, Zacchaeus. Uh, nobody liked tax collectors anyway. When you guys have to pay taxes someday, you don't really know who takes your taxes. Um, it's these crazy people called the IRS. Um, and uh, you you don't meet them face to face, but Zacchaeus would like physically like receive taxes from these people to give them to the Roman government. So they don't like him anyways. But then the other thing he'd do, he'd charge them more than what they actually owed and keep the money for himself. And it was a pretty cush job that he had anyways, but now he was getting richer and richer based off other people's hard-earned money that he was stealing. So nobody wanted anything to do with Zacchaeus. But one day Jesus is in town and Zacchaeus is like, man, I've heard about some of this crazy stuff Jesus has done. I want to check out and see who this guy is. But it just so happens that when Jesus and Zacchaeus are in the same proximity as each other, Jesus ends up seeing Zacchaeus where he's at and Jesus knows how hated Zacchaeus is. And he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today to hang out. And Zacchaeus is like, okay, Jesus. And so he gets down from where he's at. They go to Zacchaeus' house. They're having this big meal. All these people are invited. It's always a party wherever Jesus is at, especially when food's considered. Um, and, and during the course of that time together, Zacchaeus, for the first time, I think, is confronted with someone who is perfectly good, who is perfectly loving, perfectly forgiving. 
that actually is following God's ways perfectly. And when Zacchaeus is sitting next to Jesus and seeing that, all of a sudden he responds to it. He can't help but to look at himself and look at how he's been living. And he's like, I can't keep doing this. Something's got to change. I want to be more like this Jesus guy. And what Zacchaeus doesn't do is get up in front of all those people and say, hey, everyone, I've stolen from you. I'm sorry. And then sit back down, right? He doesn't do that. But what does happen in Luke 19, you can turn there if you want. You don't have to. Verse 8 and then part of 9, it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, or said to Jesus, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus, known as a cheater, a liar, rich and greedy, he sees Jesus and how he responds, he doesn't just say, I'm sorry. What he does is like, I don't want to be a cheater anymore. I don't want to be a liar anymore. And I don't want to just say that I don't want to be those things. I want to take action to cement in myself and in front of Jesus and all these people that this is who I am now. So he gives half of everything he owns, this really rich dude, to the poor to show, I care about poor people now. Like, I'm going to be someone who's a giver. Anybody that he's cheated and taken money from, he says, I'll give them back their money and also four times the amount of whatever I took, that I'm going to be generous now. I'm not going to be someone who's deceitful. I'm not going to be someone who steals. I'm going to be honest. Repentance is always a part of first coming to follow Jesus and be his disciple, right? It's always us taking a look at who we are now and what we need to turn from, what's no good in our lives and what we need to turn to. But it's also a process that continues as we follow follow Jesus. It's not just this one and done moment. Like I continue to have to say to Jesus, like, Lord, like I want to turn from this thing and move further towards what you have for me, like day in, day out because I still sin, I still mess up. Like I say things that are hurtful to my wife at times, and I don't just say, I'm sorry, babe. Like I've got to not do that next time. I've got to make steps to actually show her I love her by saying, I took into account what I did, and I'm going to change. And that's the same relationship with Jesus. I'm going to take account what I did, and I need your help so that I can change going to end with this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, repentance is not something God demands of you before he will take you back, in which he could let you off the hook if he chose. It is simply a description of what going back to God is like. Repentance is the steps that we take away from where we were to where Jesus is as we get closer and closer, wanting to be more and more like him. Um, we're all in a constant state of needing to go back to God. Like every day, we have things that pull our attention, pull us away from God, and we are in a constant state of needing to turn from those things and go back. And I don't know where you guys are at in that process. If that process has started for you, if you even knew that that was a process, like maybe you just thought this is a belief system, right? And so this is just something I believe and I have better morals now and there's not a whole lot that I actually need to do. Um, But if we're to look like Jesus, somebody that healed, someone that brought life, 
Like if he's our example and that's the life that he would have for us, man, there's a lot that I need to say I'm done with then. Uh, and maybe as you look in, at your day-to-day life, um, can you can you look at can you look at yourself if you're someone that you've you've said I'm a follower of Jesus like do you do you imitate the actions of Jesus is that more normal in your day to day or is it more normal for you to kind of just do your own thing and, and for me a lot of the time I've got to say it's more normal for me to do my own thing um, and I've got to keep turning back to where Jesus is at so something to think about as we head to small groups. Well, actually, we're not going to head there. We're actually going to sing for a little bit. Um, have you started your repentance process, right? Is this something that's begun for you? Um, why or why not? Um, have you acknowledged the sin in your life? Kind of like what Joel talked about. Is this something that you have recognized how you haven't followed Jesus' ways? And, and are they going to change? Um, and are you moving further away into your own ways from Jesus? Or are you moving closer to him. I'm going to pray. Kai and the band's going to come up. Jacob, if you could bring the lights down. And during this time where we sing, like you don't have to sing if you don't want to. I'd encourage you um, more than anything to process like, has this repentance process started for me? Have I started turning from who I used to be that was apart from God and moved closer to where he is at? So if you would pray with me, And then uh, we'll sing, I think, three songs. Jesus, we thank you um, that forgiveness is in you, that we don't have to be stuck apart from you, uh, and that only through you, Lord, we actually can um, respond and take action and and be different than who we used to be, and that you've invited us to be more like you. If that's something that needs to start for any of us tonight or continue for any of us tonight, would we think through that, would we pray through that, and even uh, meditate on these songs as we sing them. Your name, amen.